fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about nitrogen pollution with my friend Vienna. Yeah, nitrogen. Yeah. It is one of the chemical components that makes up the universe. <laughs> yeah. We're making fertilizer. We're making bombs. Um, we're growing beans. Those are all nitrogen-related things. We're causing algae blooms and lakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, nothing new and exciting, but live. Um, sure do wish it would rain. It it did rain last night. It rained a little bit. It... <laughs> it... When the farmers are worried, I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> no, I mean like we're 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 dry, and uh, it's you know it, it hasn't been great, but uh, it, it at least did rain very briefly but uh, you know a couple hours of rain in the middle of the night ain't bad you know <laughs> on the one hand it's kind of like it's nice to see that all the grass is dead because it's like oh wow i too hate grass on the other hand i'm just waiting for somebody to put like to drop a cigarette and not fully put it out and for the entire downtown <laughs> to go up in flames <laughs> because it is dry yeah it's uh it's crisp it's crispy yeah i you know i was just up north and thankfully it was a lot wet. well not as wet as it has been in previous years but uh at least i could have a nice campfire and enjoy the woods although i got severely eaten by mosquitoes but because <laughs> there was a a large mosquito population this year for whatever reason and so uh, but we lived we had fun you know it's camping gotta love it yeah camping we uh you know the chipmunks were were everywhere but <laughs> they get the funny thing is that I, I don't know if you have ever gone to like some of the far north parks but like the chipmunks there get highly domesticated by all the campers and so it's like even when you're not feeding them they will just jump on you expecting food and it's uh weird very weird you have that story about chipmunks eating flesh right oh well that was <laughs> That was a great, uh, you know, one night. So the, it was like a, we were watching this chipmunk and it was playing with my son the whole uh, morning and, and jumping on him and having a laugh. And this was before my daughter was born. So like my son was like really, really young. And we're sitting by the campfire later that night and this little field mouse darted out and then a chipmunk came, grabbed it and then cracked its skull right in front of me. <laughs> And I was just like, whoa, uh, in part because I always like thought that like chipmunks were veggie eaters or like, you know, would eat like peanuts and whatnot. Uh, was not expecting them to eat small rodents, but apparently they do consume field mice. This is a well-known fact that I was unaware of. They also eat my tomatoes. Well, yeah, but that also makes more sense. But uh, until you've seen a chipmunk split a mouse's skull open, <laughs> that's to a God. degree. That's like I was, I was shocked. That was. <laughs> yeah. It has remained with me to this <laughs> to this day. You know how like they bred, uh, 
like dachshunds and terriers to hunt rats and whatever. Just we need to domesticate chipmunks <laughs> to hunt down mice. <laughs> they probably already do. I mean, the, you just don't see. Maybe that's why our, uh, we don't have a ton of mice where I live. <laughs> At least I haven't seen them. So maybe the all the chipmunks around my house are killing all the mice. Who knows? We're going to breed a hyper-aggressive leftist chipmunks well, to eat all those <laughs> conservative rats. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of splitting my skulls in half, <laughs> I'll get to this episode. I will, I will say, this is probably going to be a super short episode. Uh, a lot of the material was pretty redundant, which, uh, you know, it's fine. It's nice uh, coming back from the holidays and having a, an easy episode. But uh, yeah, so let's let's get to it. Let's talk about those Dutch farmers, you know? That's what yeah. we need to talk about. Let's get to it. The Pennsylvania Dutch. But before, yeah. they were from Pennsylvania <laughs> and actually Dutch this time and not Germans. Yeah, the, the ones who remained. Mm-hmm. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. So we're covering the week of July 11th to July 15th. And on July 11th, Ezra is really mad about an article that was written by Global News reporter Rachel Gilmore. And uh, I, I should say that everyone should follow her on Twitter. I find a lot of her journalism is uh, pretty awesome, which is also why Ezra does not like her. <laughs> so uh, everyone should go uh, follow her and support Rachel Gilmore. But uh, she wrote an article that was covering the July 1st protests in Ottawa, mainly having to do with this guy named James Topps. So James Topps was this like uh, veteran, although I think he's being stripped of things now because he was wearing his uniform while doing this protest or something. I, I don't know all the ins and outs of that. But either way, he was marching to uh, because he doesn't like vaccines. And he also had gone on a bunch of people's podcasts associated with the far right, including a podcast by someone named Jeremy McKenzie, who is noted for creating the Diagonal group, which is a virulent extremist organization that uh, believes that wants to create a race war and was also responsible for what happened at the Coots blockade uh, in terms of some of their members plotting to allegedly plotting to kill police officers. And again, they're being represented by lawyers hired by Rebel News. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now, as James Topps was marching towards Ottawa in his protest against vaccines. One of the conservative leadership candidates named Pierre decided to walk alongside him. So Rachel wrote this article basically questioning Pierre's credibility in doing this, given James Topps' associations with all these racist organizations. And rather than being normal about it, Pierre released a vague press release that didn't name Rachel Gilmore, but was clearly responding to her article. And 
basically like sent a bunch of people to go harass uh Rachel Gilmore. Uh which is uh not great. <laughs> and in fact, like Rachel Gilmore since has been posting clips of like far right lunatics that are making like hip hop music videos threatening to kill her. So, you know, it, it hasn't been great. And yeah, so a lot of media people came to her defense, which is not that surprising, going, hey, maybe it's not a great look, Pierre, for you to be going after a media critic by sending your far-right racist shitbags to harass her. And they defended her. But now that means Ezra is going to talk about how this is evidence of the news media being biased in that they're defending their own for attacking Pierre for being associated with racists. <laughs> and, <laughs> and at the bottom of it, I'm like, yeah, but he still walked with James Tots. You know what I mean? Nothing about Ezra's coverage like, but like actually highlights anything wrong with Rachel's coverage. It's just like, how dare she criticize Pierre is the, the thrust of it. How dare journalists defend a journalist for doing journalism? This Shocking. Is, <laughs> the cancel culture woke mob has gone too far. I mean, he, yes. I mean, like, his argument is so flimsy here, too, because he's like, he's he's seemingly mad at Rachel because Rachel wouldn't offer this kind of criticism to Trudeau. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that this just dawned on me right now. I believe Rachel was the person that Ezra went back and forth with re recently on Twitter regarding whether or not she's actually been critical to Trudeau. Uh, and we covered this on the thing. And she, she posted an article saying, I think this might, might have been while you were in Finland, Vienna. She or shared with Ezra an article that she wrote that was critical of Trudeau in terms of saying Trudeau hasn't gone uh, far enough in enacting the policies that he says he's going to enact. And Ezra got mad at her for that, saying, well, that's not a criticism of Trudeau. You just really like what he does. He just hasn't done it yet. <laughs> but it's like, no, I mean, it's pretty critical because you're criticizing saying, like, all these left-wing policies that Trudeau seems to want, he just sits on them forever, indicating that maybe he doesn't really want them and he's using them for some sort of, like, uh, signal that he's going to do all these left-wing things rather than actually accomplishing them, right? Yeah. It, it really is, like, they can't comprehend that somebody can dislike conservatives and the right-wing and also the liberals. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, exactly. because to to them those two are diametrically opposed when really they're the same. In context of this episode, why, like his argument seems to be that you can't criticize Pierre unless you criticize Trudeau, or there like has to be some sort of equivalence here. Where part of me is like, I want to just say like. This whole like balance idea is kind of silly in the face of it. Because mm -hmm. what if, what if, I mean, in a some sort of magical realm, Trudeau actually didn't wasn't doing anything bad or anything worthy to report on, but like Pierre was still being a shitbag, then yeah, like you, you're gonna report on Pierre and not Trudeau. Although, like, 
Is there media bias that's in favor of Trudeau? Sure there is. Just like Rebel News is biased in favor of Pierre. <laughs> like, like, this isn't surprising, you know? Not to mention that Ezra never discloses the conflict of interest, which is that Pierre used to work for Ezra as his spokesman when he was running for MP of the Conservative Party. So, that's fun. <laughs> Woohoo. And now he's pretty much, uh, you know, an addition to, to Pierre's campaign team in constantly promoting him on his uh, show. Has Pierre come on, Rebel? Uh, no, he has not. And uh, Interesting. I do think that it, it kind of makes sense for him to keep that distance. Although, like, I, I don't think that Pierre is doing it for any other reason than cynical politics. Because I do think he still likes Rebel News. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just kind of like... It is interesting that he's not willing to, like, to go that far, but he's willing to do everything else that he has done. <laughs> Rebel News is beyond the line, apparently. Well, it's still touchy. I mean, Leslin Lewis has been, and Roman Baber are, like, the only two that have, like, tried, uh, who have talked to Ezra, but yeah. they represent different constituencies, uh... Pierre is still, there's an element of him that's still trying to appeal to mainstream conservatives. And, like, that is a savvy move for him because he has to win them over. Uh, but it's also terrifying to us because in, in other ways, he's just as attached to the far right as your Leslin Lewis or your Roman Weber. So. I don't know. I don't know. He's too, he's too pro-abortion for the... <laughs> Well, I say as attached in that, like, yeah, he he probably largely agrees with a lot of what they want to do, but he's a little bit more of a savvy and therefore a cynical politician than, say, your Leslin Lewis, who uh, is a little too sincere, I think, yeah. <laughs> which can cause problems, especially when your sincerity means you support policies that most people don't like even though it appeals to a small segment of the conservative base. Yeah. The other complaint that Ezra has about this Rachel thing before we move on is that he's like, why are all these media journalists coming to her defense? And there was not one word of support for when Alexa was shot. <laughs> uh, and it's like, uh, I don't know, Ezra, maybe because... No one supports you sending your journalists to the front line of a protest as participants, because at that point you're a participant. You're not covering it. And then as the police try to move the crowd, they uh, unjustly, in my opinion, like I, I'm not pro what the cops did in removing the protests. Uh, so it's like in terms of how they did it, like I think there's other ways they could have done it. And especially if they worked earlier on to try to disperse this rather than waiting yeah. until the final moment to push them out with, like, their shock troops and whatnot. But either way, like, no, no one puts the reporters on the front line like that because now you're a part of the protest. So that's why you don't have sympathy for your reporter, Ezra. If police went out of their way, signaled her out, and then shot her when she wasn't in the protest, that would be a completely different story. 
And also, shot is a bit of a... True. <laughs> bit of a, a misnomer. Well, speaking of misnomers, Ezra ends the piece by saying that the media wants to kill Pierre. And... <laughs> I, I take that as charitably as I can as a metaphor. <laughs> Ezra's saying they metaphorically want to kill him. It's just weird how he says that. But it, he even titles the episode that, like, the mainstream media wants to kill Pierre. So there you have it. So they shoot Alexa and they're going to kill Pierre. But uh, he says this is why Pierre should just never, ever talk to the mainstream media. Because they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. Yeah, the mainstream media that routinely endorses conservatives. Yeah, but you see, Rachel Gilmore asked him some pointed questions about his association with a protester who's connected to white nationalist groups. And uh, that's just too far. That's, that's the media trying to kill him. Someone who earlier on, earlier on in this episode, Ezra is like, Rachel Gilmore's a nothing. She means nothing. She's small. She's insignificant. And yet... She has the power to kill Pierre <laughs> by asking pointed questions. <laughs> that would be a great, like, that's a great bit to do is like, you get asked a question and then you fake a heart attack immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those soccer fake outs. With... <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh, they're so pathetic. <laughs> but yeah, solidarity with Rachel Gilmore. Uh, you know, go go give her some appreciation on the the social medias because she's she's standing strong in all of this. So good for her, and uh, yeah, I approve of her reporting. I read the article. The only criticism I have of the article is that she doesn't bring up Jeremy McKenzie's connections with Coots. Uh, but other than that, I think it was a great article. So great, cool, and also she interviewed uh, my friends over at the Canadian Anti Hate Network about it as well. So. Uh, she obviously knows where to go for the good sources. Now, on to the interview segment of the July 11th episode, and Ezra talks to Lewis Brackpool, his UK correspondent, who is now in the Netherlands covering the farm protests, with Lincoln J, I guess, as the, the videographer. <laughs> but uh, Lewis is on to talk, and... Lewis's main sort of point is he's angry at what the Dutch government is doing because they're doing it in the middle of inflation. Which also like tells you like for them to criticize what Trudeau was doing in terms of like his monetary policy, which is going to come up later in this episode as well, uh, for the, the rise of inflation. Inflation is happening all over the world where governments did radically different things during this COVID pandemic. And it should tell you, it likely has nothing to do with what Trudeau personally did in terms of fiscal policy. Uh, no, Trudeau did it to the world. <laughs> but how dare... So here's the other thing. So he's complaining about why would the Dutch government hurt these poor farmers now during inflation? And this is a problem that's been going on since 2018. They're, like these Dutch protests actually like picked up steam in 2019. So even before the pandemic, before the current inflation, all of this. And like 
the thing is like this is an interesting thing because it does like feed into their sort of like narratives of like globalist agenda and all this shit because the eu passed specific sort of like designations of like uh, you can't produce certain amount of like nitrogen and stuff like this, and for good reasons, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. this caused the Dutch government to try to enact laws to limit the production of nitrogen within the country. And and Netherlands is getting a significant amount of nitrogen pollution, and the reason for that is like the size of the Netherlands. Like it's, I think it's smaller than most United States. Uh, except for the obvious, like, Rhode Island, Hawaii, whatnot. But most United States, it's smaller than all of them. And yet, like, so it's like a dense, small little country. And they have nowhere to to grow their farms, right? So this has caused farmers who want to compete on the market to overuse artificial fertilizers to increase the yields on their, their crops. And in so yeah. doing... They're causing, because of the use of uh, artificial fertilizers, creates more nitrogen. And it's causing things like uh, nitrogen to be dumped into the atmosphere, which is a greenhouse gas. But also it causes like uh, insect die-offs. It ruins soil. So it's going to harm future farmers once they deplete all their their soil resources. It's going to like... uh, uh, create algae blooms in their lakes and streams and so they're dealing with all these problems and the response is to be like oh this is just a globalist agenda blah 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 and yet it's also there to like sure it's it's the dutch parliament because they they're adhering to the eu rules has to pass these laws to deal with these uh to to sort of curb the nitrogen pollution mm-hmm. but it's also there because it's supposed to help the country in the long run in terms of you're going to kill off your farming industry completely if you don't actually deal with this. I think the Dutch farmers should secede. <laughs> um, good luck to them. Uh, have fun without any government subsidies. Have fun um, when your topsoil blows away as dust in like five years. Um, it's totally worth it, guys. Like... Yeah. And, and most of the laws is like it's preventing the uh, farmers from expanding their lands. Although the thing that the right wing has latched onto a lot is there is going to be some reduction in specifically cattle production. Uh, yeah. And because of that, that means that they are going to lose some of their income and resources. And to at least the Dutch government's credit, they've tried to like initiate some programs to say, you know, if you're going to have to reduce the size of your farm, we will compensate you with some sort of like monetary package. Now, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not in the Netherlands. I don't know all the ins and outs. It's probably insufficient, like any government (laughs) program or whatnot. And all that needs to be like worked out and settles. And so like there's probably some legitimate grievances when it comes to like that level of things. But Mm. the whole right wing end of this to make this about like, oh, nitrogen is nothing. This is a whole nothing burger. And they're just they're trying to like push their globalist agenda it's the world economic forum to make us eat bugs and like all that is the bullshit on top of this that is making this worse 
Yeah. And so that's worth getting into just to say that, uh, again, Lewis is on here to tell you how this is all by design. It's part of the World Economic Forum. And uh, it's a sinister plot by, you know, the, these... It's all by design to create this sort of, like, unrest and institute a world economic thing. But then also, I, I want to play this clip because it also shows you just, like, how ignorant Lewis is and what's going on there. So it's just, like, amazing. They send these people just because they're, it's convenient. Like, you're already in the UK. Go over here and report on this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's what... <laughs> England, Netherlands, same difference. Like, you know, one's part Germanic French, one's part Germanic Spanish. Same language, same people. It's all good. Cheaper airfare, you know. (laughs) Yeah, just swim across the ocean, boom. Like, it's just a little channel. So here's what Lewis has to say about what's going on. And it's hard to say, or how to even... um say that it isn't uh, almost by design, really, if I'm totally honest, because why would you do such a thing during uh, a cost of living crisis, a cost of uh, food crisis and supply chain issues? And they want to sort of take over 30% of the farmer's land in order to combat nitrogen emissions, which I've never heard of that before, personally, and reducing fertilizers and all such things. It's it's very, it's strange, but, you know, this is the World Economic Forum. This is uh, Mark Root, who's very in bed with these uh, globalists who are looking to, of course, reset, as we know from their words. And yeah, it's a worrying time. And the, and the Dutch people are very much um, worried about not only the agricultural sector of the Netherlands, but their own livelihoods. And of course, we know that there are some people that are still asleep, predominantly from the city areas. But a lot of people in the rural areas are very awake to uh, to what's mm. going on. It's those damn city folks. <laughs> that was a lot of dog whistles packed into one little like... I mean, I guess it's probably not fair to call them dog whistles for them at this point. But like, it was like globalists and damn those urban populations and you know world economic forum and the awoken and like (laughs) all of this sort of yeah just like straight up conspiracy shit um i forgot to tell you um i went to um one of the like festivals downtown this week and uh, i was at a book booth and uh, a book by one um Yuval Harari was there and the lady that was at the like another customer who was at the book booth saw it and was just like this is the guy who wants us to eat crickets and own nothing and be happy and blah 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 and the poor like you know dude at the booth was just like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh uh-huh I, sh- I should mention this now because it hasn't come up on the show, but I there was an incident that happened in town with the far right. So I was like searching things on Twitter to just hear uh, the chatter. And all I could find was not about the incident I was trying to figure out, which had to do with some like uh, hate 
monger who attacked a pride event uh, in town. Uh, no one was hurt, so that's good. But uh, yeah, stay safe and all that. But so everyone in London who's on the far right, what they were talking about instead was the fact that I guess a factory opened up in town where they're mass yes. producing crickets. And this is evidence that the World Economic Forum has come to London, Ontario <laughs> to make us all eat bugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I fear this plant's probably going to be targeted. And, uh, you know, if it burns down, I will not be shocked. Yeah. Um, the Harari thing, though, like, I haven't... Like, that one only started a couple months ago, it feels like. I haven't seen one transfer that quickly from like online to you know hearing about it in person in like i don't think ever like that is just kind of it is a very quick turnaround these days no it's it's going really fast and mm-hmm. it's uh it's worrying you know i mean some of the stuff that we're talking about now uh it's been covered on tucker carlson he's been talking about the dutch protests he had on uh, so we talked about ava who was their guest last week and we'll have more to say about her in a bit but she was on Tucker Carlson's show this week, uh, saying the same things, promoting the same World Economic Forum, Great Reset conspiracy shit. And like, he has the reach into so many households, uh, not to yeah. mention just all the people that like Ezra has a connection with. And so this shit is spreading and it's not good. I mean, like there was even what Louis Brackpool mentions here, and this was before this happened, but he mentioned the uh, president or Prime Minister, whatever their leader is of their country, uh, and his connections with the the globalist elites. That goes back to the uh, interview we talked about last week with Ava, where she somehow connected the leader with his brother-in-law having some stake in a, a food chain, uh, a grocery store chain that is yeah. somehow funded by Bill Gates. There was one of the, their main grocery store buildings was burnt to the ground. Uh, and it's still a mystery right now, but likely as a result of all these fucking globalist conspiracy theories feeding into to the Netherlands right now. Yeah, and like, on the note of like the attack that happened at Wortley Pride here in town, like when it was entirely spontaneous, like the dude, um, I know a few people who were there, and um, the guy was just like driving by and like, you know, honked a few times angrily, and then looped around and came back and then um like kids in the back of his truck type of thing and him and his wife got out and started to try to tried to start like physical altercations talking about how they're like you know pedophiles and grooming children and like all of this sort of shit and it's like you know this is a huge difference compared to a few years ago where it's not like you know there weren't attacks and hateful incidents but it is of a much more like virulent character and a lot more like aggressive about it too because you know for sure yeah like like you know there there have always been like those christian groups that would like stand (laughs) and be like you know god's hate god hates efslers and like whatever else the thing i loved about that was there was always like an arms race too where like every year like the uh people who are supportive of the LGBTQ people would get, like, signs that would stand in front of them. So then the Christian people, like, started building, like, bigger poles so that (laughs) their signs could go over their signs. It's just, like, get a life. Yeah, and, like, nowadays that would probably be a fistfight instead. Yeah. Right? Like, 
it's amazing how quickly, like, how fast the turnaround on these things is becoming, and just, like, the levels of aggression that are on display kind of whenever anything like this happens. And it's just kind of, like, it is compounding, and it doesn't feel like there is enough of a, like, response to it yet. Because I don't think that anybody's kind of adjusted to how quickly these things move now. And how local it is. I mean, like, the cricket factory is in town, and we had a person targeting a, a Pride event here locally. So it's like, it, it it's and it's likely these things are happening everywhere else where this shit is happening, you know? But, like, these this conspiracy mongering has real effects as much as they like to pretend that we're just asking questions we're just we're just doing some journalism no you're whipping up a bunch of people uh into attacking us yeah and like like you know the the sort of canary in the coal mine was islamophobia right like that was you know they whipped up hate and then it led to massacres and now they're moving on to other communities because they've kind of, like, they've got the formula. And, I don't know, it's fucking terrifying. Like, well, this shit sucks so much. And this this whole week, I mean, I talked about it being redundant, and we're going to go through some of it. But, like, all that was covered this entire week was these Dutch protests, primarily, and uh, a bunch of transphobia. It's like the two... The, the globalist elite world economic forum conspiracy theory and like the anti-LGBTQ shit is like their two primary sticking points. And even what you're talking about with the Muslim stuff is going to come up in this episode because it's like, yes, all the people who are currently fomenting these two primary things right this second are all associated with the anti-Islamophobia that came uh, within the past few decades. So. You mean just Islamophobia. They are not anti-Islamophobia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair. I mean, like, even, like, that that tracks with Ezra as well, with his own trajectory, so. Yeah, no, exactly. I will say, so to, to end this little piece uh, with Lewis here, uh, Ezra and him talk about, I'm going to call it the bouncy castlefication of, like, right-wing protests, which is this idea that, like, they'll point to things like the fact that there was Bansi Castles at Ottawa to downplay the extent to which there was right-wing violence at these protests as well. And similarly, in the Netherlands, they talk about, oh, they were having barbecues on the streets. So it's, it's just like having Bouncy Castles. They're all polite and nice, even though even in the Netherlands, there's been some right-wing violence that has resulted due to these protests. But of course, that has nothing to do with the right wing. It's a completely grassroots, uh, organized by just on-the-ground farmers and has nothing to do with any outsized resources, which is why all the right wing media is currently heading towards the Netherlands. But <laughs> Yep. Woohoo. So then on July 12th, Ezra spends the whole opening talking about how he wants to re-release his book, Ethical Oil. And... Uh, He's going to, there's nothing really to get into other than he thinks that he's right because of some of the oil shortages that happened uh, over the, the Ukraine uh, conflict. And mm -hmm. so, sure, Ezra, cool. So he wants to make a movie now about ethical oil. Uh, and uh, he says he's going to put some resources there. And that's pretty much all that episode's opening is about. And I, I could care less. <laughs> 
you know, in the grand scheme of all the things he's talking about right now, uh, who who cares? But also, it's like maybe as as this is showing, we should move away from fossil fuels. I don't know. Just a suggestion. You know. Just a suggestion. So then we get to the interview segment, and the interview segment is with someone we were supposed to have or talk about last week, which is Amy Ham, a nurse who is being investigated because she put up a billboard that said, I heart J.K. Rowling. Yes. And, yeah, this, this, <laughs> where do you even start with this? I guess we could just play the first clip, which is, Amy talking about how she's being persecuted for thought crimes. It's shocking. And that's why I wanted to get involved in this in the first place is because there's, there's a public conversation to be had about gender identity ideology. And the fact that if you put up something as innocuous as an iHeart JK Rowling billboard, um, and then it, causes the city council in Vancouver to accuse you of hate speech. It causes you to get tens of thousands of hateful and abusive messages and threats. Um, I think that has the effect of showing a lot of people how toxic this <laughs> debate actually is. So that, that was what I wanted. I wanted to start conversations. Um, and then what ended up happening was that got a lot of attention and some members of the public complained to the nursing college which gives me my license to practice as a nurse. These people found out what I did for a living and they're trying to cancel me and take away my career because they disagree with my politics. Um, and so to be clear, 100% of this investigation and upcoming disciplinary hearing is about what I do outside of work. I've never had a patient complaint ever. Um, it's 100% about thought crimes that I've allegedly committed. Now, before we get into the story, I, I pose to you, Vienna, what might the investigatory body be concerned about because of her politics? Perhaps something related to discrimination? You know, in case she has, I don't know, patients who happen to be trans, maybe? <laughs> Oh, could become an issue. <laughs> what a novel idea. Also, I love thought crimes for something that you did physically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you didn't actually just think about it, did you? You did something about it. <laughs> not, not only that, like, what a way to start. Like, I'm just, I'm just starting a conversation by erecting a billboard supporting a very prominent transphobe. And she did so deliberately to support her for her transphobia, which yeah. is not sort of like explained in this clip. And like they never really touch on that throughout this entire uh, dialogue between the two of them. But like she she has been an anti-trans activist for a while. And the billboard itself was not just paid for by her, but also by someone named Chris Elston. And you, Vienna, might remember Chris Elston because he's the guy who shows up at almost every protest with one of those sandwich board signs uh, that says, like, dad, noun, pronoun, and, like, lists out, like, what it is to be a man and what it is to be a dad and goes yes. and harasses trans people at all these events. 
he he also paid for this billboard. So she was working with like a prominent transphobe who goes around harassing trans people around this country. Someone who I might add has been criticized by other TERFs, so other trans exclusionary radical feminists, which is what Amy identifies as. He gets pushed away by a bunch of them because they find him even too creepy for them. <laughs> yeah. So she's still willing to, to associate with him. It's also like, oh, wow, I'm a radical feminist for siding with somebody who really enjoys Matt Walsh now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who enjoys a self-identified Christian fascist. You know, that's that's feminism right there. Like Yeah, the same person who's so happy with the Roe v. Wade uh overturning. That's the person as feminists we should be supporting. Yeah. Like god it's all it's all coming together uh, like but imagine just like i i don't i it, it really is like just reactionary but like imagine you hate trans people so much that you're willing to undermine your own rights in going after them like it's so fucked up like i don't even know how to get in that headspace that you're you're just that angry about one issue that you're going to ruin your own life <laughs> in trying to to ruin theirs it really is like an online brain poisoning like it's just like these people just cannot process the world through any lens other than transphobia because like you know you'll you'll read some of their like if you go like down a rabbit hole type of thing for these people like some of them are incapable of like making friends because they think that every single person they meet is like trans and like whatever else (laughs) because like like it really like like the pipeline from them to like like QAnon level like just absolute conspiracy bullshit is I don't know. It's not even fair to call it a pipeline. It's like a slide. Like, you know, you step on one and it just instantly takes you to the another, to the yeah. next. But like, yeah, I don't know. My my forever position is shut down the internet and some of this will die down. Um, You're not wrong. <laughs> because so much of this is just like, you know, these self-reinforcing like little bubbles that people form that just like are so detached from reality that they're incapable of actually like processing real life when they encounter it and it just kind of like furthers their isolation and like i don't know insanity like just obsession whatever like kind of language you want to use around it because it is just like so absolutely fucked and like as you were saying like them tr- like they they now are like in some ways seeing trans people everywhere and you like yeah. they become like incels in like picking apart people's like facial features and how that might like hint to to who they are or like whether they're deficient enough etc yeah and like, and like watching them go after cis people with this stuff is just amazing as well but like how 
how so obviously that ties into like shit like phrenology and yeah. like <laughs> you know race science type stuff and it's like wow no wonder you're siding with like white supremacy and siding against your so-called like feminism it's because at the core you are frightened of a world that doesn't look exactly like you yeah and so no shit you turn to like fascism because at the end of the day that is your motivating cause as well <laughs> yep it's uh yep. it's not great i mean mm-hmm. the, the other thing is so it's worth pointing out like she she even admits this in the discussion with Ezra that she's not just being investigated for the billboard but her like years of anti-trans activism so she's like written for Quillette about this she's written for the post millennial she's like frequently been on this uh anti-trans terror for a while now so this is not a new thing for her and the investigation is exactly what we said earlier which she's being investigated because the potential that she might discriminate against trans patients that she might have Mm -hmm. it's and like that's pretty straightforward to me that's like a way in which some of your outside politics might actually affect your job and why a board might want to investigate that Now, I do want to play one other clip, which is Ezra talking about whether or not she can face her accusers. And this is like a common trope that Ezra does every, like, even when he was investigated by the RCMP, which was like, who made the complaint against me? I need to face my accuser. So we will listen to it and then uh, discuss it on the other side. I absolutely feel like I'm just being made an example of. Meanwhile, you know, the, the complainants, I know the identity of one of them. It's someone I've never met before. I've never encountered this person, um, but describes themselves publicly as, um, a, as a Marxist and kind of a social justice warrior. Uh, the other person who complained about me, uh, they, they've been awarded the privilege of being anonymous. So you can't um, face your accuser. You, you don't know who no. it is. So the, and because they said I might retaliate, which is very insulting. Yeah, and um, and if that were were to happen, let it let you be uh, faced with whatever consequence, whatever retaliation means. But the idea of facing your accuser, meeting your accuser, you don't know if it's someone who's had a personal vendetta. You don't know if it's someone who mm-hmm. has a collateral motive. You don't know. Exactly. It it is contrary to our system that the accusation is secret. That is. That's a star chamber. That is an un-Canadian uh, sham of... Uh, th- that is not how justice is done in Canada or any of our judicial no. antecedents going back centuries. Now, of course, this is not a court of law. <laughs> she's, not, she's not being criminally charged here. But also, I mean, this happens in a criminal justice system, which, like, somewhat, you, can, you can report something and just because you report it, you might not be relevant at all to the rest of the case, right? Like, say yeah. if you if you see a crime taking place and you call the number, but you're, you're not a witness, you just know a crime is happening. You're useless to the police and you're not going to come within the case, even though you were the one who, like, started the investigation, right? Similar here, it's like all the evidence has to do with the billboard and her previous writing. It has nothing at all to do with someone 
telling the committee that's going to investigate it, hey, look at this person's writings. <laughs> like, yeah, like... Like, making aware of the, like, violation of whatever regulations that the nursing body has in BC isn't, you know, it's not, it's not an accusation. It's a, like, it's a report. It's a, like, you know, (laughs) it's a, hey, look at that type of thing. Like, that's not... It was the same thing for, like, what he was being investigated for by the RCMP in terms of violating election laws, which is, like, somebody said, hey, there's these lawn signs over here. (laughs) And he's like, I need to see my accuser. No, you don't. Like, they just pointed out a crime. They did, like, beyond that, they're not accusing you. They're just saying, hey, police, you might want to investigate this. Yeah, and, like... You know, they might not even keep the name of the so-called accuser in their records because it's literally not relevant to the situation. But then on top of it, like, like for them to dismiss, like, oh, they said that I might, like, target them or something. And they, like, scoff that as if that is, like, a ridiculous accusation coming from the people who repeatedly harass uh, trans people. Like, the Chris Elston person goes around repeatedly ha- harassing trans people. Uh, she writes articles in places like Quillette where they repeatedly, like, dead name and target people. Like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. they have good reasons for not wanting to expose who these people are. Also, just, like, anonymous tip lines exist. Like, you know... That's against the justice system. Yeah. Like, within... You know, at the last unionized job that I worked, there was a poster in, like, the main area that had the union's, like, anonymous tip line number so that you wouldn't face retaliation from management if you were reporting violations. My guess is that the nursing association has something pretty similar. Because, you know... There's the chance that you're reporting a superior or that you're reporting somebody that, like, you work closely with. You don't want that, you know, to affect the the ability to report violations because that stops any reports about violations from happening, yep. which is... Which is also you know. why the RCMP in Ezra's case wouldn't do it either. Because you imagine, like, that would just create a chilling effect on all people who would report a crime. Mm-hmm. Because you, cause you imagine, like, you report on, like, a mafia crime that's happening. Like, you know, all, all these other cases where it's like, these are people who could, if they find out who you are, like, kill you. You know what I mean? Like, of course the police would want to have the ability for people to come anonymously. To, like, point yeah. to a crime and investigate it. Like, literally, that's probably the main reason that these laws or the these, yeah. like, standards exist yeah. was they tried to do a legal case and the person got killed. Like, yeah. it's, it's just so silly. Anyways, it is also worth reminding that her legal representation right now is the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, because, of course, it is. They are the people who represent to everyone that Esther talks to. <laughs> Uh, and if you want to know more about them, you can listen to our past two episodes where we talked about the Tamara Lich uh, ongoings, which I will say she was uh, Tamara Lich was uh, found in breach of her bail conditions, never came up at all this week. So 
That's that's fun. It was their biggest issue for the past two weeks. She was finally convicted uh, and uh, had her bail revoked, and they never talked about it at all. But the JCCF suck, and Ezra asks her, like, why she's being represented by the JCCF. Why wasn't she represented by her union or something like this? And she mm -hmm. stated that the reason why she didn't go to her union for help is because her union was in support of the bans on conversion therapy. And then, <laughs> and then she says offhandedly, she goes, there's also some other issues uh, that happened with her union that she can't get into. And she leaves it at that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she also supports conversion therapy. Now, my guessing is, is she focuses more on the trans issue, but she didn't specify, so... I don't know if she just is against uh, the banning of conversion therapy generally, even for gay people, or if it uh, also, uh, or if it only extends to to trans people that she's concerned about. But either way, she's an asshole who works with a bunch of bigoted people and is being investigated for being a bigot. And uh, yeah, fuck her. I I don't care. So have yeah. fun, Amy. I hope you are no longer a nurse at the end of this. I hope it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so going on to July 13th, and uh, Sheila is the guest host and covering for Ezra for whatever reason. And she's complaining uh, about, uh, I guess, some government official came out against trans inclusion in sports, even though, like, she's kind of, like, vague about this. And I could find no information. I have no clue what she's talking about. But apparently some government insider didn't like the fact that the liberal government was allowing trans inclusion in sports and spoke out about it. And she's like, this person probably got uh, punished for his, his position. And like, she's going to file a bunch of freedom of information requests. And so I guess we'll wait and maybe hear more about this in the future. But just in terms of like their arguments for like, why trans inclusion in sports are bad. This is literally all she does. She plays clips of the women's rugby team and then plays clips of the men's rugby team and goes, hey, look, they're different. That's that's the argument. That's <laughs> that's why that's why you trans people can't play sports. For the, the gender they identify with. That what? Well, just see, abolish look, sports. Just look like, look at the women's team. Look at the men's team. They're different. What what I more see do no you want? Love is love. <laughs> <laughs> I should say too, in the previous uh day when Ezra was talking with Amy, he brought up the fact that like uh women women in sports is a new phenomenon and he even talks about the Boston Marathon thing which is something that we've talked about in the past but i've always brought it up in terms of like we think that like there is a discrepancy between women's ability and men's ability and my point is like how do we know that that discrepancy is in itself just the result of cultural norms in terms of like the funding and the culture that exists to sort or, or even the fact that like a lot of uh women athletes like they also have to like still appear conventionally attractive and so do things that might undermine 
their athletic performance because when they don't, they get pointed out in the media about it, like how manly they look or or other things, right? And so there's ways yeah. in which like their athletic ability might be hindered by sort of like cultural norms or things that exist. And I point to the fact that the Boston Marathon, like they prevented women from running in that all the way up until like the, the 1960s, 1970s, you know? So it's like women in sport, yeah, it's a really new phenomenon. And we think we sorted out all that cultural junk since such that we can now look at these two opposing teams and go, therefore, there's clearly an ability difference and we can just ban trans people from participating where it's like, I don't know. To me, it's like we haven't we haven't shaken out all the cultural shit yet to, to see where this lands and to, to in order to determine for 100 percent some sort of like innate biological difference. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you get into things like how arbitrary the like division between men and women's sports is too like and even then when it is is unisex the right word you know mixed sports so to speak yeah co-ed um or you know even fucking like jeopardy like when that trans woman won jeopardy and people online were coming out being like oh males have innately faster reaction speeds and um are better at memorizing facts and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, it just, it's so instantly is just like, oh yeah, misogyny time. Like, that's it. Oh, gendered brain stuff is the worst. Like, I will just say, yeah. as someone who like studied cognitive science uh, and uh, the philosophy of brain stuff, pretty much my entire academic career, most of the gendered brain stuff is just complete bullshit. <laughs> It's just, it's phrenology, but, like, internal rather than the, the shape of the skull, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing that, like, their argument is literally just, like, look at these two things. Don't they look obviously different? And then that's the end of their discussion. It's just, it's pathetic. And uh, it's, it really, it just shows their bigotry. They don't really actually care about these discussions at all. They don't care about any of this. They just want a target group to hate because it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. No, and like so much of it is just literally like, oh, women are inherently dumber and weaker and like all of this sorts of all of these sorts of things that are just like regular everyday misogyny. And it's like, yeah. this is why we need to protect our precious white. I mean, um <laughs> women female bodies you know like it is just like blatant misogyny and white supremacy and well, when, when ezra talked about the boston marathon thing he was like i was completely unaware of that like he, he talks about it as if he just discovered it and it's like if you just discovered this now too like yeah you're you are part of the culture that has been completely unaware of the misogyny that has existed for like ever like i just i fucking can't stand it yeah and speaking of which we get uh <laughs> we get more about the dutch stuff so this i I've, i saved it to here to talk about some of the uh the more awkward connections that involve here but sheila is interviewing someone named uh katie davis court and so i look to see who this person is and she's a writer for the post-millennial so again quillette post-millennial all these people are they all swim in the same circles. However, 
this person is more, I guess, more known, or you might have remembered this, Vienno. She sent out a tweet back in 2020 during the fires that were happening in Oregon, claiming that the forest fires were set by Antifa. And this was like during the Black Lives Matter stuff. And her sending out this tweet, like it blew up, it spread everywhere and caused like right wing militia people were like stopping people as they were fleeing the forests with their gar like their guns out and like all because she tweeted out some fucking conspiracy tweet that was based on absolutely nothing. And at that I do time, remember this, yeah. At that time she was working for Turning Points USA, which is the whole Charlie Kirk <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> <sighs> uh so yeah, uh, what a fun person to the... And so Rebel has paid for her to go along with Lewis to cover the Dutch protests. <laughs> and they're interviewing her today on the, the show. I just thought this, all these people are just so fucked up and all connected. But she's there, and I don't have any clips of what she says, but like I'll list some of the, the things that she says because there's no point in playing the clip. But she says that... 85% of the Dutch people support the protests. And I could not find that statistic anywhere or any backing of that claim at all. In fact, the most, I guess, uh, the one that supports the protest the most, I could only find was a 63% showing support mm -hmm. for the protest. And the more what I would say close to being accurate in terms of its like scientific credibility, at least from looking at the two polls that I could find, showed that support for the protest was more likely around 45%, with 25% of people being kind of like neutral about it. Like they didn't really care either way. Yeah. So that's, that's not a lot of support. <laughs> it's definitely not 83%, which is what she claims it is. Or 85%. Yeah, like it's it's still a kind of like, uh-oh amount. Um, you know, still a significant plurality, if not a direct majority. Um, but it's not like an overwhelming majority. And to give you a sense of like how sort of flexible this number is, because even the, the story I told you earlier, you can see why some people are sympathetic to the farmers, because they're being like government uh, mandated to get rid of some of their property and whatnot. And I think a lot of people can feel for that, right? Yeah. However, back, the reason why the protest sort of ended right like near the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, before they picked up again now, is because they started doing things like blockading supermarkets and whatnot. And so people were being prevented from getting access to their food and started to turn against the protests and the the public support i think dropped down to around 20 percent uh and now they've picked up again but like if they continue to do things like burn down grocery stores if it's connected uh that popular support can turn on them again that would not surprise me whatsoever yeah even if people are at like some base level sympathetic to the farmers uh, in terms of like, yeah, having their land taken away. But that also doesn't tell you whether or not they support the idea of improving their environment by reducing nitrogen as well. Yeah, like it can easily be like a, oh, the government could have gone about this in a better way or whatever else. Exactly. 
So Sheila also tries to claim that everywhere else people uh, associate these uh, movements with the far right. So she talks about how, like, they tried to paint the truckers in Canada as racist. Like, and then she's like, are they trying to do that in the Netherlands? Like, paint these people as racist or far right? And Katie's answer to this, I think, because it's weird phrasing how Sheila put it, said, no, they're not doing this in the Netherlands. And... This is just weird because the protests themselves are backed by the far-right political parties in the Netherlands. In fact, they're the ones mm-hmm. who do most of the speaking at the farmer protest stuff, much like how the far are the like uh, conservative party is the most closely associated with the trucker convoy here in Canada. But then it's also the fact of like every media organization that's sending people there, like are all the far-right people <laughs> are descending upon the Netherlands right now. So it's like, I don't why would that be? <laughs> no, Jody, Jody, you misunderstand what the no meant. The no means the media isn't falsely painting them <laughs> as racist and far right. It means that they are just racist and far right. <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, well, like, and I will get to that right now. So uh, I didn't mention this last week only because I didn't do a deep dive into her, but the guest last week her name was Ava Vlardingerbrook mm-hmm. and she's again the one who went on Tucker Carlson as well she was a member of a political party in the Netherlands called Forum for Democracy and they're a far right party which became controversial after internal WhatsApp chats were leaked with party members engaging in anti-Semitism as well as praising Anders Breivik and the Christchurch mosque shooter the leader of the party, Thierry Bedeau, or Bedeau, or whatever his name is, bought it. <laughs> he supports racist views of IQ. He thinks George Soros created COVID, and he believes that cultural Marxism is ruining culture by creating degenerate art. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> All these have See? parallels to things. I wonder exactly. what it could be. Say what you will about the Dutch. The media doesn't have to lie because they'll do it themselves. You know, the media doesn't have to be like, oh, wow, they're racist and far right. It's just implied. They're Dutch. Come on. Some some in the Dutch media have even referred to Ava as Ava Braun, the wife of Hitler. And that's the person that Ezra invited on her show. And so did Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yep. Okay. Sounds about all right. Yep. And uh, I mean, Ava herself, she's a staunch anti-feminist and uh, she believes that the government is forcing the farmers off their land to build houses for Muslim immigrants. So it's not just a World Economic Forum conspiracy theory to make it eat bugs, which is what she said on Ezra's show, but it's also to house immigrants that are going to ruin Christian culture within the Netherlands. Which sounds really, really xenophobic and Islamophobic. You know? And that one, I will say, her anti-immigrant angle to this, she actually said on Tucker Carlson. So. Yep. And uh, I I should say as well, one of the other prime supporters of the farm protests in the Netherlands is Geert Wilders, uh, who's a a very famous and longstanding Dutch politician. parliamentarian who is known for being an islamophobic bigot and has been one for a very long time so Mm -hmm. 
So yes, there you have it. <laughs> it's all sadly connected and all goes back to Islamophobia, which is where a lot of these people got their start. So not surprising, but like, I love how like none of this is talked about on Rebel ever. The, uh, instead, we get the denial that there's any connection with the far right at all. Huh. So July 14th, we get more transphobia. Menzies is the guest house, and uh, he came to London, Ontario. I did not know this, but David Menzies came to London, Ontario, so he can confront people at the Labatt uh, manufacturing plant. Because, so we have a Labatt brewery in town, which is where a lot of the, the beer that you buy in Canada comes from in terms of if you buy Corona, Budweiser, or Labatt, it all is manufactured here in London, Ontario. And David Menzies is angry because I guess he went to a bar and he got a Bud Light can. And on the Bud Light can, it was like supporting pride and had a list of pronouns. And some of the pronouns were neo-pronouns. And so he went to the brewery in London, Ontario to ask the staff there whether they could pronounce the neo-pronouns. Can you just walk into the brewery? I don't, I think, because there's the store associated with the, I'm yeah. guessing that's what he walked into. I don't know for a fact, but like the, usually they have the long clips, him harassing. He was pretty much shut down right away. <laughs> so there was no, he barely got to ask the questions. And he did one of those things where he calls the people and is like, can you pronounce G or J? And it's like, it sounds like you're pronouncing it just fine, David. I don't know why you have a problem here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just to be transphobic, because why the fuck not? And of course I was camping if I knew David was coming to town. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Weird London-centric stuff happening this week. So then Menzies goes on to defend Jordan Peterson, because if you've been on social media recently, you'll know that Jordan Peterson dead-named and misgendered Elliot Page was then kicked off Twitter then got hired by the Daily Wire, said he was not going to apologize and delete the tweet. So he's like, I'm going to be permanently off Twitter. But then he did apologize and delete the tweet and is now back on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Now, when David did this episode, it was before Jordan came back, I think, because he, he mentioned that Jordan Peterson was not going to delete the tweet and come back. But uh, he didn't follow up on that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you get some praise of Jordan Peterson, and uh, that was it. And uh, I got no clips because, like, again, it's just redundant anti-transphobia or pro-transphobia. <laughs> I'm getting my anti transphobia. Yeah. You don't really need to add an anti or a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's being pro other transphobes and contributing to the transphobia. So you know what? What else to add other than uh, these guys can fuck right off? Yeah. So then he ends with an interview with Jim Carahelios, and they're mainly on to talk about how comparing. So for those of you who don't know, Jim Carahelios ran as the conser tried to become the conservative leader back uh, when Andrew Shear won it. Right? Am I right? No, when Aaron Aaron O'Toole won it. Sure. Either way, he, he got prevented from running because he didn't meet certain like 
thresholds and then he tried to sue the party for like not letting him run and so they spend this interview sort of like comparing what happened to him to what's happening with patrick brown and they both hate on patrick brown at the same time so uh i I don't care (laughs) what's the new blue party leader name that is the new blue party leader okay okay. jim carahalios that's See, you didn't cover that part of the oh, history, well, which is the much more recent and relevant part, I feel. They, they did touch on that, uh, and David Menzies laments that Belinda lost her seat, uh, which I contributed to that in helping Marjorie Knight's campaign, so you're welcome, David Menzies. <laughs> she didn't win, did she? She did not win. She came okay. in a distant fourth place. So, Mar- No, Marjorie Knight didn't win. Oh, Marjorie Knight didn't win. No, we came second, thankfully. Okay. okay. We beat. Uh, I I expected the conservatives to win, so that was not that surprising. But we did beat yeah. the liberals, uh, and the new blue, which is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, nothing else to really say about that, other than conservative infighting, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, it's not like they said anything like too special or that we have to hold on to i guess they they expect that patrick brown is going to try to get the conservative government to allow him back into the race legally but i don't know we'll see we'll see we shall see so that leads us to the 15th and again nothing really to talk about in this episode either uh ezra spends the whole opening portion talking about monetary policy and he's mad at a a government official who's raising interest rates or something like this and again like it would be interesting if ezra actually got into any of the nuances of like interest rates and the bank of canada and how this applies to inflation and how it's either going to work or not work and what are like how is this going to affect people we get none of that (laughs) it's just that this is clearly uh, the guy's name is Tiff something who who's the person the government official that he's talking about and apparently like he's being dictated by Trudeau who's under the control of the World Economic Forum which is why they're increasing interest rates because of the Great Reset. I don't know what any of that fucking means, but all right, cool. Like how do I how do I at what point like it's become now that everything is just the answer is World Economic Forum. And how do mm-hmm. I investigate that? <laughs> I don't do anything with that. I can't, like, I can't, I can't take that apart. I can't really add anything to that. You just believe crazy things. Okay. Yeah. Cool. They're just, like, getting increasingly disconnected from anything even approaching reality. I mean, they've always been detached from reality. It's just, like, it's almost like... The, the detached, it's, or maybe like there's, there was, there used to be like tenuous connections in that, like, yeah, there would be something connecting to something, but now they just have to go, here's a problem, World Economic Forum. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how these connect, but okay, thanks uh, for bringing it to my yeah. attention, Ezra. Great. So then in the interview section, Again, I had nothing to talk about here, which is he had Mark Morano on, so I was expecting some wild and wacky things. Because again, Mark Morano is the guy who operates Climate Depot. He's been on Alex Jones. He's been on Tucker Carlson. We've covered him before since he had like some theory that like the left wants you to engage in cannibalism for the environment or something. Uh, again, he's the guy who always comes on 
I mean, I should say this. It's interesting because uh, I've been seeing a lot of like people who cover the far right document the increase of like the bug talk and the poop water and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's amazing because that's been a staple of rebel news since way before the pandemic. Like they're going to make you eat bugs and drink poop water has always been associated with Mark Morano and Climate Depot. And it was usually an attack uh, against like this, these climate change reforms where or or ways of dealing with the climate. Right. Because uh, bug production creates less CO2, less uh, emissions and therefore is a better source of protein than like animals. And Mm. Or, like, cattle, I guess, because insects are still animals, I think. <laughs> Mammals? Yes. And so it's like... Vertebrates? It's just interesting to me, because now these talking points have been adopted uh, by these more QAnon, World Economic Forum types, as some sort of grand conspiracy of, like, making you eat the bugs because they want to humiliate you or something. They want to control your lives. Uh, and so it's, it's, very, it's very weird how that... <laughs> People are starting to notice that it's it's spread far and wide, even though it's like, again, I've been hearing about this for, for years. It doesn't feel surprising to me. It is surprising to see what circles it's reaching now because it's spread so much more. Like, you know, I don't expect to hear it in person, personally. You know, it's not, know, it isn't confined to. Is <laughs> yeah. But even then, I was. Like, you know, it's touching reality in a way that, and like touching just like random people willing to just say this shit out loud in ways that it wasn't prior. And I think that that's kind of like, that is the like surprising or like, you know, the new part. So, woohoo. Yeah. But all, surprisingly, there was no cricket, uh, bug or poop talk on this episode Morano was just there to say, isn't Joe Manchin great for not signing on to the latest Biden thing that was somehow going to be pro-environment? Great. Yep. And, And like, isn't that amazing? Like, and both Ezra and Morano spend the whole time praising Joe Manchin and how great he is. So, yeah, he sucks. Joe Manchin sucks. Uh, Yep. About the only thing he's good for right now is at least passing Democratic judges. And that is it. That's all his purpose is right now. Which means, uh, I mean, like, uh, again, our stance is always revolution first. That should be the first thing you're working towards. But if you're going to at least vote, uh, yeah, just in America, I guess, vote Democrat so you have just a few more senators so that Joe Manchin doesn't matter anymore would be really nice but uh but i I guess just don't break your back over it because fuck the democrats at this point (laughs) yeah build shotguns in your home and well don't tell anyone about it we don't like to fear (laughs) (laughs) because is it it wasn't that what happened with uh uh what the fuck abishinzo yeah no randy randy weaver and uh ruby ridge because the the FBI was trying to well like they claimed that they were trying to entap, entrap him in like making contracts for Randy Ridge to produce sawed off shotguns shotguns or whatever, 
And then that's why they eventually stormed his, like, ranch where they ended up shooting his wife and his dog. I, think. I mean, the FBI sure. sucks. Or I think it was, was it the ATF back then? Either way. Either way. All that sucks, but Randy Weaver was still a, a white nationalist piece of shit. So. Okay. But I'm just saying, if you're going to make the guns, don't tell anyone. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want CSIS showing up. <laughs> This is true. Door, you know? Or I guess FBI in the American context, you know? Keep it on the DL, that's all. Yeah, also, like, you probably don't even have to make them out of electrical tape and oh, yeah. <laughs> weird wires. <laughs> oh. You can just buy one. It's pretty It's pretty simple down there, I guess, huh? Oh, my God. What a, what a timeline. <sighs> there was... What a world. <laughs> I mean, who knows? With the way things are going in the U.S., sawed-off shotguns are probably going to be legal <laughs> very soon. We're not. Surprised. I can't wait. I can't wait for that course, court court case to reach <laughs> the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, it's said in the Second Amendment. Uh, I have the right to bear yeah. saws and shotguns. <laughs> Everyone gets a tactical nuke. <laughs> oh, good luck. Yep. Yeah. Have fun. I already said my bit, honestly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You don't have an article? You got nothing? I got nothing, no. Um... Yeah, chill, drink water, um, have like a freezy or some ice cream or like whatever. It's really hot out. Um, good luck to the people of Britain. Uh, you're probably <laughs> on fire right now. Um, good luck to the people of Lytton, BC. Don't burn down again. <laughs> I guess I would say read, read Rachel Gilmore's piece. I guess I'll, I'll link that in the episode. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, subscribe to our Patreon and listen to the episode of the Bad Books by Bad People thing that Jody and Eric from Big Shiny Takes made. Uh, I have not listened to it. However, I like both of the people that made it. So I'm sure it's excellent and I've heard good things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's depressingly similar to how he behaves today. Everything is the same. It never changes, but uh, but it is worth going over, and maybe maybe eventually we're gonna attack ethical oil with it. <laughs> That's a future book when we get around to it. Uh, bringing it back around to this episode, but anyways, uh, yeah, support our Patreon. I would I would approve of that because uh, I put a lot of work into this, so that would be nice. And uh, and thank you. And if you want to stay informed about what we're doing. You can find us at Imperial News of the Z. We have a Discord set up, which we chat in, if you like chatting. And we uh, used to do Twitch streams. I might be doing them again. Uh, I've, I've taken a, a, an indefinite hiatus <laughs> for the Twitch. Uh, I, I do plan on coming back eventually. I just have no immediate plans of coming back. So when I do, I will let you know, and we'll have links to that as well. I, we still have videos posted on our YouTube 
And all these links you can find in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at masontickle.com. And thank you for listening. And the Dutch, all of you, you cancel. <laughs> Every last one. Yeah. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.